0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: Why are you carrying your bed on the the Sabbath? You know, you're not supposed to do that. You broke the rules. And he goes, well, the one who healed me told me to do it. And they're like, well, who was that? He goes, well, beats me. I don't know. Let me just walk you through the story here. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 26. And I want you to understand that Jesus is seeking an occasion with the Jewish leaderships to confront them with the fact that their Messiah has come and He is it. I can
0: see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in
1: the end Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all my life
0: Grace to Live, with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: We're going to go back into John's Gospel. This is an interesting place that we're going to be today, and I want us to to really watch because what's going to happen in the next two Sundays with Jesus as he has this confrontation with the leaders of the Jewish religious establishment is he's going to pretty much say who he is thus far as we've worked through the gospel of john john chapter 1 john chapter 2 john chapter 3 john chapter 4 we have seen people respond to jesus and portray him as the savior of the world the son of god the king of israel the messiah and we've seen people portray him John 1, 1 through 18, which is the introduction of the Gospel of John, we call it the prologue or the cliff notes or whatever you want to call it, It really gives us themes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1, Jesus is God, it says there. And in John 1, 14, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we see these themes. What you're going to see now through the rest of John's Gospel is these themes displayed through the actions and activities and even the words of Jesus Christ. And so this is really critical because there is still, how I don't know, some debate in some quarters, even in some seminaries, uh, as to whether Jesus was the Son of God, God the Son, the Savior of the world, or just a good teacher. And so different people try to portray him different ways. We try to portray him according to the Bible, which is the most reliable historical document of his earthly ministry. And that's why we're decoding Jesus because we want to understand who he is and how that relates to who we are and how we live and what we might be looking forward to in the years to come as people. Now, that brings us to the idea of a self-portrait, and today's message is called Jesus Christ Self-Portraits because in this interaction that we're going to see today, Jesus paints a number of self-portraits about himself. He portrays himself in a certain way. He gives us his perspective on himself. And that's important because artists, you know, we artists do self-portraits. Van Gogh portrayed himself a certain way. Um, You can look at the portrait of Vincent Van Gogh and know how he saw himself. There's how he saw himself. Rembrandt portrayed himself a certain way, and you could tell how he saw himself. Even Leonardo da Vinci portrayed himself a certain way in this sketch. And you could see how he saw himself, and we gain insight into who these men were, and how they were, and how they saw themselves. In the same way, in our text today, John chapter 5, we see how Jesus portrayed himself, how he understood himself, who he saw himself as. And in John chapter 5, we see five self-portraits of Jesus Christ. And it's really interesting the way it all plays out, because... It almost looks like it all happens by accident, but understand in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, there were no accidents. And Jesus does the big reveal, if you want to call it that, in John chapter 5. And what I want you to understand is as we have moved from John chapter 1 to John chapter 5, what you have is an escalation in the public ministry of Jesus Christ. He's gone from relative anonymity to really making himself known to the public. He did the, He t- changed the water into wine at the wedding at Cana, and that probably caused quite a stir. His word got out. He went among the Samaritans and claimed to be the Messiah, and many came to faith that might not play too well in Jerusalem because the Samaritans and the jews didn 't care for each other. He healed the royal official son long distance without even going to where he was, just with a thought he healed him that pre- began to, The word began to spread. And even, he even cleansed the temple. He called it my father's house. And he turned over the tables of the money changers and he drove the oxen out and people got all wound up and said, well, by what sign, by what authority do you do this? What is going on here is this. And, and this. and this sounds kind of bad the way I'm going to say it, but I don't know any other way to say it. Jesus is escalating a series of confrontations with the Jewish leadership to make his identity known to the world to the Jewish people as their Messiah and in today's passage in John 5 1 through 26 he goes in and he heals a paralytic on the Sabbath and that paralytic had been known to everybody for 38 years as a paralytic and when they see him walking on the Sabbath people say well ooh, what happened to you no they don't say that what they say is why are you carrying your bed on the on, on the Sabbath You know, you're not supposed to do that. You broke the rules. And he goes, well, the one who healed me told me to do it. And they're like, well, who was that? He goes, well, beats me. I don't know. Let me just walk you through the story here. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 26. And I want you to understand that Jesus is seeking an occasion with the Jewish leaderships to confront them with the fact that their Messiah has come and he is it. And what he's going to do, he does that throughout the rest of his public ministry so that everyone is without excuse. John chapter 5, verse 1. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, was a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. It had five roof colonnades. In these laid multitudes of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, to, going, another steps down in front of me. Jesus says, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, the next day was this, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful you to, for you to take up your bed and walk. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said that to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. That man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him and that this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, answered them and said, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing in his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever he sees that the Father is doing, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the, son ra- for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so, often the- so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father." Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you that the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Let me tell you what's going on here. You're seeing the hard hearts and unbelief of the Jewish religious establishment in contrast to Jesus Christ. What you're seeing here, you're seeing a lot of things here. You're seeing a group of people who have lost the heart of their religion. I mean, think about it. They walk up. The guy has been healed. He's been there for 38 years. They've seen him week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. And for that matter, so is Jesus Christ. And now he's healed. And nobody's amazed at the healing. They're just bent out of shape that some tradition of theirs, some misinterpretation of the law of Moses has been violated. And so they come to the man and say, what do you think you're doing carrying a bed on the Sabbath? You can't do that. And the guy goes, well, the one who healed me did it. Now, it's interesting because he he has no affection for Jesus. You know, today we're told by a lot of people, if you have enough faith, you can be healed. But the bottom line is this man had no faith at all. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And the interesting part about it, too, is when Jesus says, do you want to be made well, he won't give him a straight answer. It, it's a really, it's perplexing the man's spiritual condition. But later on, after Jesus heals him, he walks up to him and says, see, you're well, sin no more, lest something worse happen to you. Implicit in that statement is the fact that that man may, emphasis on the word may, may have done something to put himself in that position. And now, 38 years later, he was getting a second chance. By God in the flesh. And then what happens after that? The Pharisees, after the man turns Jesus in, just amazes me. He, he could have gone to Jesus and said, just to give you a heads up, these people are looking for you. But he doesn't do that. He just turns him in, sells him out. And then what happens is something like a, you and I walking up on a telephone conversation. Somebody's on their phone and we don't know what's being said to them, but we know what they're saying back. So we get a pretty good idea that these people have confronted Jesus wanting to know what in the world he's doing. And as Jesus begins to tell them, they're outraged. They are infuriated. And what he does is he takes them by the little finger and leads them to one conclusion and one conclusion only. And we'll see if you can figure out what that conclusion is. Let me explain to you also what's going on in the book of John. This passage is really special to me because as a new believer, I wanted to know that Jesus was God. I wanted to know that he claimed to be God. And this is where I found my answer. And what's going on here is he's leading them to the inevitable conclusion that he is God in human form. You and I today, when we reason and when we think and when we even debate, we do it deductively. We declare our proposition, we declare our belief, and then we give particulars to prove our point. Not so in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, not the Greeks and the Romans, but the Jews reasoned inductively. And what happened is, is they would take a set of ideas or a set of experiences or a set of particulars and they would generalize a central theme. And this is what Jesus does throughout the Gospel of John with the Jewish leaders. In fact, at one point they'll say to him in John 8, who are you? And he says, what have I been telling you? So what he does here is he tells them who he is inductively. He gives them a set of particular facts which only lead to one conclusion, and let's see what they are. What we have here are five self-portraits of Jesus Christ. Who does Jesus think he is? Who does he want the world to know? Self-portrait number one, Jesus portrays himself as equal to God. Jesus portrays himself as equal to God. Where do we see this? We see this in verse 17, but Jesus answered them, so now he's replying to them. They have said something to him. And he answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. What's going on here? What's going on here is Jesus is saying, God has been working throughout all eternity up until now, and I've been working right alongside him. Just, I've been doing what my father's been doing. He's, 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 doing something very un-jewish he's calling God his own personal father which in that era would have been blasphemy it would be a capital offense you'd be executed for that it's bad enough he's doing it on the Sabbath he's healing on the Sabbath when when in their mind you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath which is not what the Old Testament and the Jews understood this he's saying I'm equal to God my father is working until now and I am working until now just like my father this is my father And when you said my father in that era the son, when you look, when you were the son of a father, uh, the father of a son, whatever it was you were, the son of your father, <laughs> you had the same legal rights that he did. You were cut from the same cloth that he was. And as we know today, you're of the same genetic code. He's claiming to be equal in nature and essence to God. He's claiming to be of the same cloth that God is cut from, so to speak. And the Jews wanted to kill him. And you know what? This isn't an isolated event. This happened time and time again. In John chapter 10, when we get there eventually, and in John chapter 10, when we move several weeks from now or a few months from now, we'll be in John 10. But for now, in John 10, 30 to 33, we read this. I and the Father are one. Think of this. That's like them hearing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So they're, you know, they're not going to be happy with this. The Jews picked up stones to stone him says they picked up stones again to stone him. So this is not the first time. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for a blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. And, and what does Jesus say if you read on in the text there? He doesn't go, oh, you misunderstood me. I didn't, I didn't mean that. He doesn't ever do that. He always accepts all the titles that are put on there. The Jews picked up stones to stone him. I mean, Jesus will say later on in John's Gospel, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's claiming to be equal with the Father. And eventually this would cost him his life. In Luke twenty-two seventy, 70, they ask him, come on. You know, this is when he's on trial. Are you the Son of God? And he says, you say that I am. Uh, other translations say, I am. And the point is this. Jesus consistently habitually. And in this case, in John 5, clearly portrays himself to be equal to God. And that leads to a whole other series of escalations and progressions of thought and conclusion. It brings us to our second self-portrait. What do we see in self-portrait number two? What we're going to see is that Jesus portrayed himself as equal in ability to God. It only makes sense. If you're equal with God, you can do what God does, right? John five nineteen and 20. So, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, certainly, certainly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on His own accord, but only what He sees His Father doing. So, He's sort of like rubbing a little salt in the wounds. And He's not being mean, but He's being insistent. He's being assertive. He's being clear. He wants them to understand. He wants them to be saved, right? For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. So whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. He did not send the Son to judge that the world would be condemned but would be saved through him. He's bringing them the message of life. He's backing them into a corner so they can understand with certainty who he is. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord but whatever he sees the Father doing. That would have stiffened him up right there. But then look what he says. For whatever the Father does, that thing, that the Son does Likewise, the son does in the same way, with the same capability, the same ability, the same power. It, would have either, it should have made them step back and think, yeah, this is the one that John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When John said, I'm the one, I'm the forerunner of the Messiah, you know, this is the one who turned the water into wine. This is the one who healed that guy's son long distance. This is the one that we confronted in the temple. But they didn't do that. They didn't want any of that. But you get a hint of what's going on here. What does it mean to have the same capabilities as as God? What does it mean to be working alongside God from all eternity? Can you imagine what these people thought? Can you imagine what you would have thought? If he wasn't God, then he was in real trouble. This would have been an outrageous statement to make, but he makes it. He portrays himself as being equal to God. He portrays himself as having the same ability as God. And then he really drives it home here. Portrait number three, self-portrait number three. Jesus portrays himself as the giver of life like God. Verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son raises the dead and gives them life. You see his logic here? You see how he's saying particular number one, particular number two, particular number three, self-portrait number one, self-portrait number two, self-portrait number three, scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees, what conclusion should you be drawing about me? What am I really saying about In terms of ability and equality, The logic only follows that if he can do what God does, and just as God said, let there be light, just as God took the man and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living being, Jesus is claiming the same ability. And even beyond that, the ability to impart eternal life. Look at John 5, 24. He keeps going. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. If you created life, then you can bestow life. And Jesus is claiming to be the giver of life. Creator and giver of life is the theme in John's gospel. John 1, verses 3 and 4, all things were made through him, all things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was nothing made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is Jesus. Now let that sink in. Let that self-portrait sink in, because... The reason I'm telling you all this is each week with each sermon, I want you to take what you learn so that you can teach it to someone else. A lot of times we say, you know, I'm just not a good evangelist. All you have to do is teach what you know and let the Spirit of God work in that person's life. And what you know now is that Jesus claimed to be equal to God. He claimed the same authority as God. He claimed to be the giver of life, the creator of life. John 1, 3, and 4, all things were made through him. John five twenty one for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. John five twenty one the Son gives life to whom he will. He raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to him. This would be an alarming self-portrait. This would be an alarming self-portrait. He violates the Sabbath, well, actually, he's the Lord over the Sabbath, right? And then he makes himself equal to God. I mean, look at John five nineteen again. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but he only see, does what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Verse 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to he will. And that's why they were trying to kill him because he was making himself equal to God. As you look at this and as you talk to people, and you, know, you never know who you're going to talk to and what they're going to say. You could have a Jehovah Witness come to your door and they believe that Jesus was a man or an angel or something. And you have to ask, what do the words say? What do the words mean? And what do I do? When you under, whether you're teaching a Bible study or listening to a sermon or just doing your personal devotions in the morning and you read the Scriptures, those are the only three questions at the end of the day that matter. What do the words say? What do the words mean? What do we do? Jesus claims to be equal with God. That's what the words say. People may try to ignore those words. They may try to bend those words. They may try to reinterpret those words. But that's what they say, and that's what they mean. The text says the Jews were trying to kill him because he was making himself equal with God. That's what the words say. That's what the words mean. And when he says the Son gives life to whom he will is the giver of life, that's what the words say, and that's what they mean. Jesus claims to be the giver of life. Who did he think he was? Who did Jesus think he was, and what will he do next? You know as you're watching this play out, if you are a bystander, you had to be wondering, what's he going to do next? What is this guy going to say? Who does he think he is? He says he's equal to God. He says he can do anything God can do. He says he can give life, physical and eternal. Who does he think he is? Which brings us to the fourth self-portrait. And this is a biggie. Watch what he does here. John 5:22 and 23 watch closely. Listen. Think about what he's saying. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. That's big. But then watch this. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father.
0: try